no place to go. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Man, it does the most wonderful time of the Christmas preparations come in many forms. Your favorite songs, your favorite ornaments, lights, food, friends, and family. This year, during the month of December, we will be preparing by looking at four songs from the Gospel of Luke. These songs, written in preparation and response to the birth of Jesus, will help prepare our own hearts to receive the gift that He is. Awesome. Well, good morning. Uh, again, my name is Tyler. I would like to invite the Bible team forward right away. Um, and uh, if you at any point need a Bible, you can raise your hand and they will get to you. Um, and we're going to spend a good chunk of time in Luke chapter 2. Uh, so if you've got yours or want to grab one of these, we'll be, we'll be going through that a couple times. And I wanted to uh, thank Scott for such a great intro and for setting me up for success my first time here. Um, we're going through these different songs that have been proclaimed early in the gospel. And so Sanjay started with Mary's song, which was these 10 beautiful verses on what it's going to be like to have the Savior of the world and who he will be. Uh, and then last week, Scott got 14 incredible verses from Zechariah's song about the gospel in the book of Luke and all that Jesus will do. And I am here and my song is one verse. So uh, thank you for that, and we're going to talk about the same word a bunch. Um, but uh, th this one is an announcement. Um, this is one of the most well-known passages in the Bible. This is, uh, I call it the Charlie Brown section. It's the verse that Linus reads uh, in the movie and all that. Uh, but there's an incredible announcement being made. And, and we're familiar with what those are. We do our own types of announcements. Um, and I am, as you may have guessed, from uh, the millennial generation. And so we love our announcements because we don't have to print them anymore. We just send them online. We can do thousands. And then people we don't know congratulate us. And it's wonderful. Um, so we did, we did one of ours a while back. We, we wanted to do one around our baby um, that Scott talked about. And, and we wanted to know what we were going to have. And so we did one of those, you know, gender reveal announcement things. And, and those are really fun. They all usually started uh, centered around, like, food. Like, you'd get a pink or a blue cake. And then we kind of followed the way of the iPhone and got smaller. And then we got a, a pink or a blue cake pop. Uh, or you could get pink or blue ice cream and all that stuff. And then we started introducing different items and objects. And so ours was the five-month-old golden doodle. Uh, who came running around the corner all dressed in pink, and boom, there we go. We're, we're excited to have a baby girl. Um, and so we, we announced some things that day. We knew we were going to have a baby, and we had our friends over, and, and we knew it was going to be our baby, and then after that, we knew it was going to be a girl. A few months later, when, when we had the baby, then you get to announce even more things, right? You can do the height and the weight 
and how long we were at the hospital and, and her name and, and all that kind of stuff. And so there were, there were more things that were revealed at that announcement. Um, but we kind of sometimes as millennials engage in, in one-upsmanship, and so we try to outdo each other. And if you really wanted to win the baby announcement game, use angels. Because that's what happens here. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 15. This is the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so we start with the announcement, and there's some incredible things wrapped up in this. Um, the, the, the primary announcement comes first just in Luke chapter 11, and the angel says for for, for Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So there's also in this announcement, there are some things uh, that haven't even happened yet. There's some predictions. This is who that baby is going to be. This is not just, uh, you know, this is how tall he was and all that. There, there are some things yet to happen. So there's an announcement and, and like a declaration, a prediction of what will happen. And we're familiar with those. We can kind of, in our own way, make types of predictions as well. Um, when I got hired, I, 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 uh, one of the first groups of people I met were these uh, online sports nerds and staff of North Shore. And so I got into this exclusive group uh, called Fantasy Football. And I made a bold declaration. I was like, you don't know me, but I will defeat Scott Harris at Fantasy Football. And I'm here to tell you I did it. I set a goal. I made a plan, and I was victorious. But our types of predictions can only go so far. We can make limited predictions as to things that we don't know, have no control over, have no reasonable expectation if we can get there or not, compared to the things that are given. These just feel weightier than any sort of announcement or prediction that you or I could make. So the angel, the angel says, here comes good news for joy people, or, or good news of joy for all people, and it's wrapped up in some very specific things. This baby is a savior who is Christ the Lord. And savior, Scott actually kind of unpacked this last week. A, a good chunk of that was in Zechariah's song as we looked at the gospel in the book of Luke, what this savior will have to do. This is Jesus' job description. Right, to redeem people, to free them from sin, to lead them from darkness into light, to bring peace. And so already announced is Jesus' job description. 
And then we have another one, the Christ, uh, which is just another translation of the word Messiah. And this is the thing that all of the people at that time would have been familiar with as God promised a Messiah throughout the Old Testament and there was an expectation. This is Jesus' title. It means the chosen one. And God is putting his stamp on this birth saying this is not just going to be a special human. This is not an accident or, or the, the time has happened to be right. This is my chosen one. I approve of what he's going to do. This is from me. This is my plan. There is only one like this. And then that third piece, we get Jesus' identity. He's the Lord. And a couple weeks back, Sanjay talked about this as, as Mary wrestles with this thing in, in her song of, of God coming to earth. How will it be that God comes, that this is truly the Lord that we are experiencing. No Facebook post or amount of Instagram filters can make your baby announcement anywhere near this significant. These are big things. These are the answers to every significant question that the people of Israel have wrestled with through the entirety of the Bible. As God has promised, he will make things right. He will deal with sin. He will redeem them. And so they would, where is God? Who is the Messiah? When is he coming? How will we be delivered? All of those things, and it's an announcement and a prediction that those are happening, and it's all predicted on the day Jesus is born. Savior, Messiah, Lord. But then something curious happens. So that was verse 11. The, the, the message continues in verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. Okay, that's great. These are some big promises. What's going to happen? Well, this will be your sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So these are unexpected, I think, based on what we've just heard. The sign is not he will be in a palace. The sign is not you've obviously heard of his parents. They're very influential and well-placed. The sign is not he, he came riding in full-grown on a horse with a sword and an army. The sign is not he was born casting spells and healing people and we should follow him. It's none of those things. It's the, the sign that this is true is you will find a baby. And even if you can kind of get your mind around that, okay, I guess people have to be born if we're doing this the normal human way, then yeah, I'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. Well, yeah, okay, if we're talking about a baby, then I guess you do that. You know, my kid likes her swaddle a lot, and so that, that makes some sense. And then placed into a, a thing where you would normally feed animals. That doesn't make any sense. So we have these high and lofty announcements here and, and this very strange, humble beginning the arrival does not fit the announcement. And so Jesus' purpose is, is powerful, but his arrival is so humble. This is the absolute best news that could be delivered. The very best. Angels are delivering the news. And yet, at the beginning, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think there's a whole lot that's revealed in this little announcement. There's a lot going on with the angels being present, 
with how it's delivered, with, with the joy, the good news, the Savior. But I think there's one big idea. So let me ask all of us a question. Do you expect God to work? Do you expect God to work? And, and if you're here with us this morning, I, I would hope the answer is, is yes to that. I expect God to work. So let me take it to the passage and ask a question further. How do you expect God to work? Or maybe, do you expect that God will work in a certain way? Because here are these, these types of announcements that might lead you to, to think one thing is going to be said, something equally majestic or mysterious. And yet, the reply is something very different. And so I, I hope most of us say yes, that we, we expect God to work. But let's not also fall into the trap of expecting the way that God will work. And so that we, we end up in this place where if God does this in such a way, then yes, obviously I saw him work. But if God does maybe the thing that you asked or even better, but does it in a different way, you're not tempted to believe that, that God was not in that. Because I don't think we can understand or predict the way that God will work. Because God is not like us. And, and I want to take that into the second thing. We have the announcement, and now there's the command. So let's go back. I'm going to jump back to verse 9 and read this again. And, and here comes God doing more confusing things. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they, this is the shepherds, were filled with great fear. Hold on to that for a second. Next sentence, verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Fear not, or maybe the way that we would say it, don't be afraid. Is there any sentence in the English language less effective than don't be afraid? <laughs> oh, good, I thought I was supposed to feel this like emotional response for self-preservation or something, but since you've so effectively convinced me, I'm not afraid anymore. Like it, it, we still say it, but what does it do? I want to show you something as we go through these announcements. Uh, we, we sung a little bit about them, and we, and we talked about angels during Advent. These are God's messengers, right? They've shown up. They're very concentrated early in the Gospels to give messages uh, specifically about Jesus Christ. And we've actually already seen two of them show up and they've said the same thing. So this is now the third time. So back to Luke chapter one, verse 13. You can turn or not, this is gonna go fast. But the angel comes to Zechariah. And in Luke 1, 13, the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. And then another angel shows up and talks to Mary in Luke 1, verse 30. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. There's one that we won't read in this sermon series because it's in the book of Matthew, but the first time an angel comes to Joseph, Mary's uh, husband, Jesus' father, he says, do not be afraid, Joseph. And then we have in ours, chapter two, unto the shepherds, do not be afraid. And even God's messengers are causing fear. 
Now, I want to push even further than that. There's a story late in Jesus' life. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's being arrested. He only has a few days left to live. And in John chapter 18, verses 5 and 6, the temple police and the Sanhedrin show up to arrest Jesus. And they ask him, are you the one that they call the king of the Jews? Are you the one that we're looking for? And verse 6, John 18, when Jesus told them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. That's it. He didn't add anything to it, right? There was no, like, I just saw Star Wars. There's there's none of this. It's just his name. I am he is the Greek of Jesus' name. It's Yahweh. He spoke his name and people fell over. Even God's name can cause fear. Psalm 97 says, clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes up before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. That is power. So we come back to our shepherds shivering in the night, I think not because it's cold, but because they're afraid. Because they've experienced a fraction of the power of who God is that just showed up. As it says, the glory of the Lord shone around the angels. If you ask, what does that mean? I say, I don't really know, um, but it's, the, it's some of the incredible power and presence of God is there for the shepherds to witness and they feared a great fear. They're they're experiencing this thing. This almighty, powerful, terrifying God has shown up and they get to see it and they get to hear it and they witness it and that is a Christmas miracle in itself. And I think God is so majestic that even his name causes fear, even his messengers cause fear, and yet what we saw in the announcement and we will continue to unpack here is that God embraces weakness and vulnerability and he allows himself to be known. The shepherds shouldn't be able to see the glory of God, but they do. They shouldn't be able to hear God's voice, but they can. You and I shouldn't be able to know God as a person, but we can. We shouldn't be able to know God's name of any kind, but but we can. We shouldn't be able to be comforted by him, but we can. It would be completely right and normal to be terrified of God, and yet he says, do not be afraid. You shouldn't know that God has any vulnerability or any weakness or, or, or any smallness at all. And yet, here he is waiting for the shepherds to get there, his arms pinned in by a blanket in the spare, spare, spare bedroom as a baby. And that's who's come to bring peace the thing that's proclaimed in the chorus of the song, uh, as now the angel is joined by multiple angels. And then in verse 13 and 14, we, we get the, uh, the, the chorus of this song. And suddenly there was with the angel 
a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. What is peace? Right? Like, what is peace? What is peace? What is peace? What is it? It's, it's a very common Christmas theme. It shows up a lot. There's, there's an interesting contrast, and I think this is going to be a big part of why peace is such a familiar word and a familiar theme early in the Gospels. I don't know if you remember this in school. I don't know if I learned it high school or college or one of my nerdy Bible classes or what, but do you guys remember learning about the Pax Romana, right? The Roman peace, okay? So that was a a thing that they were supposed to have brought to the whole world. The biggest superpower and what they offered, they had little symbols. They had two letters that would mean Pax Romana or they would write it on their documents. That was what Rome was so proud of, that they'd brought peace to the known world. We've conquered you so that you can have peace. Submit to us. They prided themselves on this thing. Here it is from the history books. The term Pax Romana, which literally means Roman peace, refers to the time period from 27 BC to 180 AD in the Roman Empire. 27 BC to 180 AD. And Jesus was born like right there, right in the middle, right at the front end, right at what was probably around the peak of when Pax Romana was the message across the known world. That Rome was the provider of Peace, and yet in our Gospels, here comes Jesus bringing peace. Rome, Rome never brought real peace because they couldn't. Not really. Peace throughout the Bible and the peace that these glowing, flying, weirdo angels are singing about is not the absence of war or stable government, it's not financial security. These fellows are talking about real, lasting, transformative inner peace that only comes through a restored relationship with the creator. It's the only thing that Rome could not provide. And so we notice that God had to come. God came near This peace is built on everything from the announcement and the command. And we see this contrast of this God who's so great and powerful and majestic and perfect and holy. And some of these things that that, um, Sanjay talked about a couple weeks ago in Mary's song that we who are broken and not just without um, perfection but we're dead in sins. This distance was so great that we could not on our own get to God and so to bring real peace God came to us in a way that we might know him. And what I think is so cool about, about all of this is that this is not just the truth of Christmas though it is that very much so. But it's not only the truth, it's also the example that God set by doing what he did. The Christmas story is our calling. Uh, we have human examples, we have just small pictures of what this looks like. 
And we're right now in kind of that time when some of these things happen between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's really popular. One of the stories that just happened, um, I'm a big Seahawks fan, so I saw this thing come through. But Bobby Wagner did a thing at Thanksgiving this year. I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, but Bobby Wagner was working on his, his own little um, uh, charity uh, and, and involves getting some supplies and food and toys for kids in, in low-income tiny houses. And he kind of made a, made a change of plans while he was out putting that together. And he ended up at a Safeway. I don't know if you saw this. He ended up at a Safeway for 30 minutes and bought groceries for everybody who was in Safeway on Thanksgiving. I think it was the day before Thanksgiving. For if you were in that Safeway at the same time as Bobby Wagner, you got free groceries. How cool is that? Um, and it's a feel-good story, and, it's, and it's, a, it's a more meaningful story. It stands out more because somebody like a Bobby Wagner did it. It would be less of the headline. It, it would be less notable if a normal person like, you know, I mean, maybe you're not normal, but I am. If, if, if somebody like me did it, not, well, for one, if I did that for 30 minutes, I'd be bankrupt. So we'd make the news in a different way. Um, but it stands out because it's Bobby Why? Well, because I imagine a guy who just represented himself and signed one of the wealthiest linebacker contracts in the history of the NFL never even needs to get his own groceries, right? Bobby Wagner could legitimately never step foot in another Safeway as long as, who, who would get behind not ever having to go to Safeway, right? Like he, he doesn't have, this is so outside his norm. No one could make him do that. It's not even a thing that he would do for himself. He's doing it for others. He probably never has to, he has the, all the ability and means and, and deservedly so to stay far away from that ordinary life that you and I experience, and so when somebody likes that, kind of steps out of that, there's a feel-good moment that kind of makes the news and we talk about it for a little while. That is a minuscule fraction of what God did at Christmas. Um, I think this is the best passage in the Bible on what exactly happened at the incarnation when Jesus came to earth. This is Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. So the Bible says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. That's a more confusing word in English. Don't think of like grasped as in reaching, but grasped as in held on to. So not that. Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Did you hear that? This is the most theologically compact statement in the Bible about what happened when Jesus was born. He, he existed in God form only and chose to add to that a human form, a weak form. He did not remain as he deserved, distant from humanity. He chose to empty his divine privileges and chose the form of a servant. He lived humble, obedient, and embraced optional suffering. These crazy things happened at Christmas. 
Um, I'd like to invite the worship team forward. And as we move towards, towards some of our conclusion here, we're going to sing uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And I love that some of these Christmas songs bring this in and make it in a way that we can sing the mystery of what happened at the incarnation. But this is not just the truth of Christmas. It's also the example that Jesus did this for us. And we have in our minds this idea of a great commission of, of reaching people for Jesus. Well, what's our example? Well, he did it. He stepped out of everything that was deservedly his and moved towards normal, weird, weak, broken, sinful. He chose to move into that. And we have examples of, of what that can be as a church. And we, we, we have this calling to live that out. If you believe that message this morning, that this is what Jesus did for you, well, we are also called to believe that that is now ours to continue to do. As student ministries, we're, we're super excited to take over 30 people to go on mission trip, right? Even that language, to do hurricane relief. Uh, this summer, but it's not just supposed to be like a week-long thing. This is our daily calling. Uh, the school I went to called it being incarnational. How do we reflect what happened when Jesus became man? How do we come alongside as well? If you want to use the language of be like Jesus, where do you need to go? What do you need to do to be around brokenness or hurt the sinfulness or just something different than you to be around others to, to, to give demonstration to the incarnation of Jesus there's some amazing lines in this song as we've now read this passage and, and turn ourselves to worship but veiled in flesh the Godhead see all of who God was is, is covered in flesh or pleased as man with men to dwell. Ple voluntary. Jesus decided in love to come and to dwell, to live, to be with people like you and me, to demonstrate who he is, which is also our calling. God, as we come to you in worship this morning, we ask that you would just fill us with the knowledge and the appreciation of who you are and what you have done for us. Let that be our rock. Let it be our truth. Let it also be our example. We thank you, God, for opportunities such as this where we can stand with one another and reflect those to, to give glory, to give worth back to you for what you've revealed for us. Be with us as we lift our voices. Be with us as we go from this place. Let us be filled with the, with the knowledge and the grace of who you are. It is in your name we pray.